What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I, as she said, we get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, we want to say welcome. What a Sunday you chose, Daylight Savings Sunday. Y'all awake? Everybody awake? Right? A little bit awake, miniaturely awake, kind of awake. Um, Look, it's so good to have you. I want to take just a quick second, and I want to share with you kind of what we're about here at Victory Church. I like to remind people the, the four core values of our church. We've really been stretch, stretching, stressing recently um, as we're gearing up for Easter and a few different things. We're about four things here. We're about growing, guiding, giving, and going. And so we're growing. We're wanting to help people grow closer to God. And so on guiding, we want to help guide you to freedom and relationship. Giving, we want to give you a platform to be able to give out of your time and your talents and your tithe. And then in going, we want to help you go and make a difference. And so we've been kind of taking each Sunday and highlighting different things. And I just want to take a moment and I want to highlight giving. And here's what I want to highlight giving about. Giving out of your talent and giving out of your time. We like to say here at Victory, you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And so that's what Growth Track is all about. And the reason why I really want to push today, because it is step one. And it doesn't matter what Sunday you jump in, it really doesn't. We had four new people jump in last week, and they, they experienced step three. And this week, they'll experience step one. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been coming for a long time, or maybe this is the first time you stepped in the door and you said, man, there's something about this place. I want to know more about it. I want to be involved. You were probably blessed by an individual from the moment you pulled in the parking lot all the way through the parking lot, into the doors as you dropped your kids off, in the auditorium host, all the way to the seat. You were blessed by somebody, right? Go ahead. You, you, you go and give God praise for that. You were blessed by somebody. And listen, those people are people who said, I want to take my time and my talent and I want to put it to use towards the kingdom of God and they're impacting lives. And so we want you to be a part of that. So as Pastor Brian said, just take 35, 40 minutes, leave your kid with us, jump in there, check that out. Amen? Amen. You ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry. You can look online. Uh, You can look on the app, or you can just follow along behind me on the screen. We'll take you right through it. We are in a series called More, where we are believing that God has more for our life. But listen to me. I believe God has more influence for you, more opportunity for you. I believe he has more blessing for your marriage and more for your children, more for your job, more for your finances. And we're believing that and we're operating in a way where we want to see the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine be present in our lives. Christianity has kind of gotten a bad name and God tends to get the bad direction that he wants less for you or that Christianity wants less for you. It's not true. God wants more for you. And we're believing that. We kind of learned the first week that if we want more in our life, we got to learn to move, right? We want more, we got to learn to move. And then last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, get on the app, listen to the message because we talked about how to overcome the giant issues that are in between you and the more God has for you. And this week, I want to talk to you about how not to just want more, but to know why you want more. Amen? And so doing this, we've been kind of following the life of David. And when we left off at the life of David last week in chapter 17, David had just killed the giant Goliath. And in chapter 18, we'll start at verse 6, we kind of pick up where we left off. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed The Philistine, the women, came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and all of the men with singing and dancing. 
So the men arrive from killing the, the giant, and out come the women of the town, and they're, they're singing and dancing and pop-locking and all that kind of stuff, right? They're excited to see him, and it says, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And so they came out with tambourines and harps, and they were just getting it, right? And, and look at their song. It says, they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And so they're coming out, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, David. 10,000, you know what I mean? They're just singing, hitting the tambourine, and it's just a good old time. And, but watch this. It says, but Saul was very angry. Odd. And this refrain displeased him greatly. That word refrain meant this chorus, the repeating words that they were saying over and over again displeased him greatly. And here's what he thought. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me only thousands. And what more can he get but my kingdom? What more can he get but my job, right? Little does he know. (laughs) And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. Let me explain that real quick. The, The spirit wasn't sent from God, but God allowed the spirit. And he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it at him, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. David hit him with that matrix. You know what I mean? He just... (laughs) Wish I could do a better job of that, but brother getting old, you know what I mean? And so when Saul saw how successful he was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I skipped it. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but he had departed from Saul. That's important. The Lord was with David, but the Lord had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. And in everything he did, he had great success. In everything he did, he had more. Because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, how he got more, Saul became afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved him because he led them in their campaigns. So you've got David experiencing more while Saul is experiencing less. You've got David moving up and Saul's moving out. And what's happening is the only difference between the two, listen to me, is their reasons. The only thing different. At one time, Saul's reason matched David's reason, and that's when Saul was experiencing more. But now he's experiencing less because his reason has changed. And it's important when we start asking and believing God to do more in our life, it's important that before that more comes, we take the time to reinforce our values. I don't want to be a pastor that just pastors a church that wants more. I want to be a pastor that pastors a church that wants more for the right reasons. Amen? And so I'm learning that as I get older and as I understand the more that God has for my life, here's some of the things I'm learning. Number one is this. I'm learning that my reason is important. My my reason for wanting more is is important. The reason that you want God to give you more, the reason you want more in your marriage, the reason you want more in your finances, the reason you want more in your anointing and in your purpose, the reason is very important. I I couldn't shake it this week. I'm reading chapter 18 and I'm studying it. I'm like, I don't understand Saul's anger. Think about it. Saul is the king. So these are his men who were victorious. They had killed 11,000 men at least if you do the math. And not only that, they had killed the giant 
that for 40 days bothered him. Why is Saul angry? What does he have to be angry about? And I felt God tell me this. His reason was wrong. His values are off. You see, David valued glorifying God, while Saul valued glorifying himself, which is why David wasn't impressed by the song, and Saul was offended by it. Listen to me. When our value is to glorify God, self-praise won't impress us. When our value is to glorify ourselves, the lack of self-praise will offend us. It's so important. Our reason is so important to not just do something, but to know why we do it. We actually live in a culture today, if you think about it, where you can know what you're doing and not know why you're doing it. I was sitting beside, I was on the couch the other day, I was sitting beside Veda, my nine-year-old, or fixing to be nine-year-old, and Casey Ray, and they're playing on the iPad, and they're touching the iPad, and, and I looked over and I said, what, what are y'all playing? They were playing a game. I said, what are you playing? Uh, Veda said, I'm playing Slime Generator. I said, what, what is Slime Generator? And she said, well, you're, you're creating your own slime. And I was like, oh, really? So I kind of looked over for a second, you know, and she's making, picking the color and picking the texture and what's added onto it and into it and all this kind of stuff. And, and I said, so do you, do you send it off? Do you, do you make it and then you send it off and, like, they'll create it, you know, and then, like, you can purchase it and then you have, like, the slime to play with? And she goes, no. And I'm like, well, what's, what's, what's the point of the game? What, what are you doing, Right. And she said, well, you kind of, you, you get it, but then you kind of put it in a trophy case. So, so you can't play with it. She said, no. I said, what's the purpose, right? Am I the only one struggling with that? Like, like what, the, ki- the games our kids play today, they don't have any purpose. You know what I mean? You, 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 you don't, listen, when I was growing up, our games had purpose. You know what I'm talking about? We, we, we were learning life skills. We were solving problems. I was rescuing princesses from King Koopa. You know what I'm talking about? Like I was, I was killing folks. I was, I was finding mushrooms and turning bigger and helping my brother Luigi who was less cooler than me. We were, we were rescuing princess. You know what I'm talking about? We, we were winning championship belts from Don Flamingo. You know what I'm talking about? Piston Honda. I, I was a champion. Mike Tyson was teaching me how to box. You know what I'm saying? I, I, was, I was helping Lance Bean be able to fix the Red Falcon. That's a Contra reference, in case y'all are too young, but that's a Contra reference. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, listen, listen. Walk with me. And that's what I'm talking about, right? Walk with me on this, all right? So you got Contra. I was, I was, I was helping fight M. Bison. You know what I'm saying? Like I was teaming up with, with Raiden, and we were taking out Scorpion and Sub-Zero. There, there, there's no more purpose. Listen to me, bro. There's no more purpose than learning up, down, up, down, over, B, 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 square, to be able to learn a finishing move on Mortal Kombat. You know what I'm talking about? If, if I could somehow cut him in half, it was just, I had purpose. When I sit down in front of a game, I had purpose. I didn't just know what I was playing. I knew why I was playing it. Right? Listen, religion has a way of teaching us what to do and forgetting to teach us why we do it. There's a lot of people that know what to do, but not everybody knows why. And what's funny is the foundational verse of Christianity, John chapter 3, verse 16, does tell us what to do or does tell us what God did. He sent his son 
to die for us. But before it says what he did, it says why he did it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's teaching us, watch, it's not so much about what you do, it's why you do it. All right? This is what we have to begin to process in our mind, that you can be doing something and not know why you do it. And what I want to understand is why I do it. Because if I don't know why, then people will misunderstand my what, right? So in, when I, in a couple of weeks when I start really pushing you to fill this auditorium up with people for Easter, that's my what. But if you don't know my why, you'll be confused by my what. My why is that there's 36,000 people in our zip code who don't know Jesus and heaven and hell are reality, okay? So that's my why. And when you know my why, all of a sudden you can respect the what. The problem is we're doing too much what without the why. When I got married... I found out that Darla loves to have her back rubbed, okay? She, she, ladies, y'all love a good back rub? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all love a big, men, you love a big, you love a good back rub? All right, just letting you know. Um, and so I learned that about my wife, that there was nothing better for her at night to kind of, you know, ease her night, let her go to sleep than, than a back rub. And so that was the what? I, I learned it was really important that I identify my why, <laughs> okay? Because if I, was, if I was rubbing her back, but my reason was wrong, I all of a sudden lost, you know what I mean? Like, like, like I had to stress my my why. Like, hey, I'm doing this just because I love you. I don't want anything out of it. You know what I'm saying? Because listen, you can be doing the right thing for the wrong reason, right? And I didn't want to be doing the right thing for the wrong reason. There's a lot of people that are going to church the right thing, but for the wrong reason. There's a lot of people that will give to the kingdom of God the right thing, but for the wrong reason. People will serve the right thing, but for the wrong reason. This was Saul's demise. In this whole chapter, he's doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Can I show you? Watch this. So verse 13, you see what he's doing. He sent David away from him. Watch this. And he gave him command over a thousand men. Saul is helping elevate David. Saul is increasing David. Saul is giving David more. He's doing the right thing. Thing. But verse 25, as you skip down, it says that Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. So he was doing the right thing, elevating David, but he was doing it for the wrong reasons, just to get David killed. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And it's important that we know our reason. And here's why our important, here's why our reason is so important. You ready? You ready? Why is my reason important? Why, why, why is it important? Because your reason is your reward. Your reason is important because your reason is your reward. Let me unpack it for you. Verse 8, uh, Saul says, they have credited David with, ten, with, with tens of thousands, and they have credited me with thousands. They, 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 they've, gift, they've rewarded David with the recognition of tens of thousands, and they've rewarded me with the recognition of just thousands. Saul is literally showing us, watch, that whoever or whatever drives your reason also controls your reward. I can see i got to unpack this more for you. Whatever's driving your reason it controls your reward. Let, let, let me, let me I'll, I'll give you a couple of different uh, uh, examples. Um, so when I, was, when I was probably 17 years old, me and my friend Addison, every Friday night, we would go to the mall, all right? The local mall in Memphis at the time was the Wolf Chase Mall. And we'd go to the Wolf Chase Mall, and we both had poor jobs. We didn't make a lot of money. And we'd go Friday about 7 o'clock because at the time, 
that's where all the hot girls were, all right? All the hot girls, everybody's doing what everybody else is doing, which is just walking around the mall. Nobody's buying anything, which is why malls are closing, but, but people are just walking around the mall. So we would have a brand new outfit, and we would put on our outfit, and we would go to the Wolf Chase Mall. It had two stories, and we would just walk around the mall. Just, you know, you had to, you, you couldn't speed walk like some of the ladies do to get exercise. You had to kind of like, you know, glide. You know what I mean? I had, to get, had to get the girls some time to look. You know what I mean? Just kind of, and the whole time, so embarrassing. The whole time, all you're doing is trying to catch the eyes of one girl. Like, I'm not going to speak to her. God forbid I speak to her. That's because she could turn me down. You know what I'm saying? And so we would just walk time, time. We would just, we would go this way, right? And after about the seventh time, you pass the same girl and she ain't look at you. You kind of got the sign, like maybe, maybe this ain't going to happen tonight. And even if they did look at you, it wouldn't matter. The only thing we would do that whole night is buy the outfit that we would wear the next Friday night. That was the whole purpose. We would, we would buy the outfit that Friday night that we would turn around and wear the next Friday night. And the whole reason we're at the mall is to be able to get somebody's attention. And listen, if that's my reason, then that's my reward, okay? L- let me be more relatable to you, because maybe, maybe you say, I don't go to the mall and walk around for, yeah, but you go to Starbucks. That's none of my business. But, um, but let, me, let, me, let me break it down for you. I, I, would you agree that if you wake up and you go into your living room or your dining room, and you get your Bible, and you open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, and you get your highlighter, and you set your highlighter at a diagonal, and you get your pen, and you put your pen over here, and you go get your journal, and you open up your journal to the blank page, which is page 1, and you set it down, sorry, secret burn, and you set it down, and you go get your Victory Church coffee mug, and you set it right in front of it, and you turn it to where the handle doesn't block the actual Ephesians, because you want people to know it's Ephesians, and you get your phone, and you get above it, and you get just the right, boop, and then you put a filter on it, right, and then you, then you put a little, little up, in my, up in my quiet time this morning, and, and you send it, watch it, and, and if your reason is to see how many likes you get, then your reward is your reason. You see what I mean? If you did it to be able to get in the Word, then your reason is your reward. But if your reason is to see how many people think you're spiritual, then your reason is your, it doesn't matter. Your reason is your reward, however it goes across. Jesus literally was teaching us this in his very first sermon. Six times he talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. But I don't have time to go through all of them. I'm going to just show you one. Matthew chapter 6, 2 and 4, all right? Just, just real quick, an example. He was talking about giving to the needy. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. Watch this. Because their reason is to be honored by others. Jesus said that's their reason. Their reason when they do that is to be honored by others. Look what he said then. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus said, if your reason is to be honored by others, then that will be your reward. You will be honored by others. That's just, that's your reward, and it's over. In other words, there is no reward from your heavenly Father. That's your reward. If the reason I'm doing something is to get recognition, then recognition is my reward. If the reason I'm doing something is to get validation, then validation is my reward. If the reason I'm doing something is to gain popularity, 
then popularity is my reward. If the reason I'm doing something is to get comments or likes or retweets, then that is my reward. And I heard a pastor say this, and it, oh, man, it rings so hard in my head, I had to put this whole message around it. He said, if your reason is shallow, then your victories are empty. And I couldn't help but think about Saul, who had just defeated 11,000 people. 11,000 people, guys. When's the last time you slain 11,000 people? Anybody? I'm just trying to get y'all arrested. That's all I'm just trying to figure out if you do. Okay. 11,000 people and the giant, and he's angry. How is that possible? How can you be in the midst of victory and feel defeated? Because your reason's wrong. It's why you can be in the presence of God and feel offended. Because your reason's wrong. Jesus said, whatever your reason is, is your reward. Can, can I show you an example? Bam, would y'all come up here for a second, real quick? I, I, I think we have, the, the, the individuals that I asked, I, I, I think we have the, the most talented band in uh, definitely Rutherford County, because that's all the people I know in America right now is in Rutherford County, right, right? And uh, can, can y'all give them a little bit better praise than that, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, uh, I'm never playing again for those people. Okay, uh, and so, so super talented. The more I get to know them, the more I realize, like, everybody who's up here has had histories in, in secular bands and Christian. It's incredible the talent that God brings. And, and they can do things that, that will impress people, okay? Like, like I, I don't know much about music. I like music, but you can ask them. I know nothing about it. So when they start talking all their mumbo-jumbo uh, that sounds like, you know, spiritual tongues, I just move on. But, but, but I appreciate talent. And then when I get around another musician and I watch the musician react to them, I realize they are impressive. They have talent. So I thought, Brian, just go ahead and, for a second, just go ahead and show them, show them your skills for a second. Just go ahead and... What you working with, real quick? Go ahead, go ahead and tickle them, tickle them keys. I feel like I should be on a bar, like with a woman on a piano or something. You know what I mean? No, okay. Too many movies. talent. Hey, Bree, are you hooked up over there? I didn't even tell you you were going to do it. Can, oh, we're going to skip her. Okay. I didn't even tell her. All right. All right. All right. Jeff A, man. Go ahead and rock out. Let's put some stink on that, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jamal, let's hear a little something. I, I heard you can sing. Let's hear a little something. You are the source of my strength. 
You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands in total praise to you. Pretty good, right? They're okay. They're pretty good. Now watch this. They can impress you, and they can even get applause. But, but if Brian's reason is to impress you, then impressing you is his reward. You understand what I mean? If Jamal's reason for singing is to impress you and to get applause, then that is his reward. If the Jeff brothers, if their whole reason for what they do, they're not really brothers, but they should be. If their whole reason for what they do is to impress people, then impressing people is their reward. And that is a reward that is very temporary, okay? This is why you see some musicians that'll drink themselves into the grave because their why is wrong. And so when they get up, their why is wrong and their why is temporary, so it brings a temporary reward, understand? So an hour after their show, after the thousands applaud, they get into a back room and they are confused in what they do because they don't know the reason and what they do, so they're reward is temporary. When your why is temporary, your reward is temporary, okay? But listen, when your why is right, then your what is irrelevant. So Paul, Paul's why is right, okay? When, when Paul starts getting dealt with in, in the New Testament, his, his why is right. So they come to Paul one time. Check this out, y'all. Y'all enjoy this. They come to Paul one time, and they say, uh, we're going to throw you in prison. So we're gonna, we're gonna, Paul, we're going to put you in prison. Paul says, oh, would you? Would you please? Because I, I, I've been sharing the gospel with this prison guard, and, and y'all took me out before I really got to lead him all the way to Christ. And so if you'll just put me back in prison for a couple more weeks, I can finish, right? I can keep on sharing the gospel, and I can lead him. Did you? Oh, oh, would you? And the guards are like, this dude is crazy as all get out, right? And, and so they say, I'll tell you what, we're not going to put you in jail. We're going to kill you. And Paul goes, oh, would you? Would you? Because if you kill me, to, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, would you kill me, please? Would you just, come on, just here. Would you just cut it? Would you just cut it, please? Because as soon as I leave here, I go there. Would you? And they're like, this dude is psycho. And they go, okay, I tell you what, we're not going to put you in prison, and we're not going to kill you. We're just going to let you live. And he goes, oh, would you? Oh, would you? Because if you'll let me live, I get to keep on going on sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. Listen, Paul's what was irrelevant because his why was right. When your why is right, your what is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if you put me on the stage or you put me in the parking lot. My what doesn't matter because my why is right. It doesn't matter if I'm cleaning toilets or if I'm singing a worship song. My what doesn't matter because my why is right. I had somebody tell me out of love, and they, they meant so, so, so much love and respect for this. They told me one Saturday, they said, Pastor, because we set up on Saturday, and so when you join the Dream Team, you have to help us set up. Praise God for you. Go to Go Track. And so uh, they told me one Saturday. They said, they said, hey, we, we want to get to a point, Pastor, where on Saturday you don't come up and set up. And I said, hey, thanks for that. Never going to happen. 
never going to happen. I said, I don't care if I have to come up here and move one sign. I'm going to always be up here on Saturday. You know why? You know why? Because I'm in this thing to glorify God. I'm in this thing to serve God. My father told me that he came not to serve, but to be served. Oh, I'm sorry, not to be served, but to serve. And so I'm here to serve. And so listen, my why is right, so my what is irrelevant. I'll, I'll, I'll clean a toilet. I'll mop a floor. I'll preach a sermon. I'll play an instrument. My what doesn't matter because my why is right. And this is where we got to get, church. Where our what doesn't matter. Pastor, what do you need? God, what do you want? Because my why is right. What, what do you need? Where are we going? What's going to happen? What, what, my what is irrelevant because my why is right. I think that's what every person who doesn't follow God, that's what they want to see from a Christian is not your what, but your why. Why do you do what you do? And so I'm thinking this through this week, and I'm like, God, my reason is so important. Why I do what I do is so important. Because why I do it is my reward. The reason I do it is what determines my reward. And then I started thinking about something. What happens if you take the same what, but you change the reason? What if we took the same talents and gifts? What if we took what they did, but we changed why they did it? What would happen? So, so, so go ahead, and, and let me hear what would happen if we changed your why to something greater. Let's say we changed your why to glorifying God. So let's take what you do, but instead of doing it for impressiveness and doing it for applause, let's do it to glorify God. Let me hear that for a second. behavior follows belief, right? Your routine will follow your reason. So Jesus said, if I can change your belief, then I can change your behavior. If I can change your reason, then I can change your routine. Do you know this is what got Jesus killed? This right here is what got Jesus killed because when Jesus came on the scene, all the religious people thought he was coming to put in power right behavior. But when he got there, he came to be able to focus on reason. Here's what he said. They said they had a whole rule in place, right, that, that if, you, uh, if you murder, all this kind of stuff, Jesus said, hey, if, if you get angry, 
it's not just murder. It's not behavior. It's reason. So if you just get angry, you commit a murder. One time they said you shouldn't commit adultery, so they gave out behavior. Jesus said, no, no, no. You shouldn't even look at somebody wrong. He was given reason when they wanted routine. Jesus was there to change reason. He wasn't concerned with routine because he knew if he changed your reason, routine follows reason. So the whole thing he came to do was to change reason. It's why they said, if you don't want to go to hell, obey his commands. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. He came to change reason. I'll never forget, I was, I guess I was about 17 years old. And I had, I was new to church, but the sanctification process was still working. You know what I mean? I think Jesus will get me completely turned at about 97 years old. I'll be good. I'll be good to go. I'll die at 92, but I'll be good at about 97. You know what I'm saying? Just we working on me. He working on me. Y'all, y'all pray for me. But one, one of the things before I met Jesus, y'all, I was a cusser. Ooh, I was a cusser. I, I've always been able to use my mouth, whether it was to cut you down or to build you up. I could use my mouth. I could check you. I could, you know, and so I would cuss. Ooh, I would cuss. There was this, y'all remember back when the computers that, that did the dial up? Y'all remember these computers? And you could speak into the little speaker on the computer screen, and you could record what you were saying. I found a recording of me one time, like years later, and it was so filthy. And so as I was growing, growing more and more, God, one day I'm in the, in the truck with my dad, and my dad was a cusser, and, and, we, and we were both, you know, he, he wasn't saved, and, and we were, I was new to it all, and, and we were driving that truck, and I looked at him and I said, Dad, I, 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 I want to quit cussing. He kind of stopped, looked at me, and said, what? I said, I, I just, I just, I want to quit cussing. I don't want to say a cuss word anymore, and, and I would appreciate it if you don't cuss anymore. And I remember he looked at me, and he was like, Why? He just wanted to know my reason. And at that moment, I wasn't really 100% sure what that reason was. You know, I couldn't tell him, well, I'm being sanctified in the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I didn't understand lingo. I just knew that, that my reason was changing. The, the, the why behind what I did was changing. And when my why begins to change, my what begins to change. And so that's why my reason is so important. And I'm beginning to learn, listen to me, that the best sign of spiritual growth is that your values change. The best sign of spiritual growth is that your values change. And the more and more that I kept reading my Bible, and the more and more I kept praying, and the more and more I kept serving, and the more and more I kept going to church, my reason changed. And I'm starting to understand something about myself, all right? And here's where I've gotten to. I've gotten to a place now that I don't come to church out of obligation. I don't come to church to not be able to to be able to avoid hell. I go to church because he's been good to me. You know what I mean? I go to church because his mercy and his grace is new every morning. I go to church because I've been set free, because whoever the sun sets free is free indeed I've been able to understand that God is working he's got a purpose in my life my reason is different I got a reason and I came this morning to ask you what's your reason if God gave you more right now why did you want it because my Bible says to whoever much is giving much is expected Because when God gives us more, it's to turn around and to bless other people. And it's to turn around and build his kingdom. And that's the reason behind why we want it. And I'm just passionate, church, that God's going to give you 
a new reason. If you're in this place and you've been raised in a religion that taught you that your reason was so that you wouldn't go to hell, your reason's wrong. Your reason's wrong. And whether or not your good or bad behavior will not keep you faithful in times of temptation. That can't be your reason to be a good person. People say, why do you go to church? Well, that's what Christians do. That can't be your reason. Why do you go to church? Well, because I want to get to heaven. That can't be your reason. Your reason has to be that Jesus loves me and that he died for me and that every day his mercy is new for me and his grace is new for me and we walk together and we talk together and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm getting better and he's setting me free and he's helping me get over things and his grace is covering me and I got a new perspective and I got a new purpose. That's my reason. That's my reason. And here's the best part about it. That's your reward. When that becomes your reason, Jesus Christ is my reason. Then Jesus Christ is your reward. But if your reason is something that this world gives, it's temporary. And your reward will be temporary. And on mornings, when your clock had to be set up an hour, it won't have the ability to push you out of bed. You wanting to be good. You wanting to do it because that's what Christians do. It won't do it. But an undenying love for Jesus and appreciation for all that he is and all that he's done in your life, that's your reason. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you right now for a reason, a reason to do what we do, a reason to gather together, a reason to sing out loud, a reason to pray, a reason to shout, a reason to dance, a reason to run, a reason to kneel, a reason to tell our friends, a reason to tell our families. A reason to raise our kids up in. Thank you for your love. And I want to pray right now over everybody in this room. Because there's people in this room who their reason is different. Because of the way they were raised. Because of things they were told. And you're giving them a new reason. That reason isn't for validation. That reason isn't for approval. That reason is for love. And if you love me, you obey my commands. But God, your word says that I only love you because you first love me. So Lord, as we move forward and we ask you for more, I pray right now that our reasons are right. Because as that pastor said, if my reason is shallow, then my victory will be empty. Lord, if my reason's right, my what is irrelevant. And so, Lord, we pray for more in every area of our life, but we pray for it for the right reasons. To turn around and love you and love other people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,